Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, relevant social issues that you want to discuss from a biblical standpoint or in light of the Word of God or things going on in your life that you want to discuss from uh, the standpoint of God's Word and what it says. We'd love to hear from you. We're also here to pray for you. So definitely give us a call. Hopefully we can bring some clarity to some areas. Maybe you've been reading your Bible and there have been some areas where you've read something, you're not exactly sure how it fits with the rest of the Bible or what it means. We would love to answer those kinds of questions for you. And we'd love to discuss things going on in your life, things going on in the world from a biblical standpoint, as well as pray for your prayer requests. The vision of this show is just to give you access to pastors who are here to minister to you over the airwaves and to pray for you. So please give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are tuning in in Colorado and in Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome. We're so glad that you're with us wherever you're tuning in from today. We want to remind you that those of you listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, you are hearing this program on a one-week delay. So please keep that in mind, but you are more than welcome to call in, and we would love to hear from you. We'd love to take your calls and answer you, and you guys actually have a unique opportunity, maybe even a benefit, and that is that after you call in and we talk about your question or pray for your prayer request live, then you guys get to tell some friends, family members, other people who you can say, I'm going to be on the radio at this and this a time on this date. It's going to be one week from the uh, time on which you call. And then maybe that's a great way for you to introduce the station to somebody you know and get word out about this program and about the radio station that you listen on, Hope FM or Truth FM. So just a reminder that those in Colorado, those listening on Grace FM are hearing the program live, and those on the East Coast and in the Appalachian region, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. But either way, we want to hear from you. We want you to call in with your questions and your prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. 
Also, those of you who are listening online, and we know that our online audience is growing all the time, so wherever you're at in the world, if you're listening online, you are hearing the show live as well. We want to give a big hello to everyone who listens online. There are two ways to do that. One way is that you go in your browser to gracefm.com and click the Listen Now button. So gracefm.com, and just hit that button to listen now, and you can listen on your phone, on your laptop, on your desktop, wherever you do that. That's one way to listen. The other way to listen is on your mobile device, you can download our free app, the Grace FM app. And on that, you can listen to this show and all the other great programs that are on Grace FM anywhere in the world, anytime, totally free. So go, go get that app. Definitely, it's good for you to just have it on your phone and on your device. So, you know, when you're, you've got time, maybe you're in the car, maybe you're sitting in the DMV with your headphones on, what should I listen to? Then you just pull up that Grace FM app, you click that button that says uh, listen now, and you can join us and listen to this show and all the other great Bible teaching that's on Grace FM at any time. So go in your, um, your app store or Google Play, whatever device you use, and just type in Grace FM as one word, and it will come up. It's totally free. Put it on your device, and you will be able to connect with us at any time, anywhere. And we know that many of you do that, so I just got a map here of all of the people listening right now. And we have, of course, many across the United States, up in the Pacific Northwest. We've got a lot of listeners here in the Rocky Mountain region, even down into New Mexico. And uh, looks like Oklahoma, Texas representing. And we've got Louisiana, Tennessee, up in Chicago area, and all along the eastern seaboard we have listeners. And we also have in listeners tuning in right now from Ukraine and South Africa. So welcome. We're so glad that you guys are able to tune in and be part of the Grace FM family by using the app or using the website. And so welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us. Give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897 is the text line. And we're waiting to hear from you with your calls and texts, with your questions about the Bible, and with your prayer requests. Let me just give you a few words about myself as we're waiting for those calls to come in. Uh, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And we're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this great city of Longmont. And our church recently moved. And I've been telling you over the last couple of weeks about that move. But here's the, here's the thing. We have not yet had our single, you know, our first, um, we have not had a single live service or you know, in-person worship service in this building since we moved in in March. Can you believe that? We moved in just in time for the coronavirus pandemic, but God, you, you know, blessed us in one way and that uh, we had a lot of time to get our building ready. In fact, when we found out that we can now have services pretty soon, you know, we were like, okay, let's, uh, you know, what are the final touches we need to put on the building, getting signs hung and all of these things. And we're working on it right now. And so I wanted to give you guys an announcement about our church. We are opening for in-person services on Sunday, June 7th. We're going to be having two services, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock a.m. And we have um, set everything up so that we're in full compliance with CDC guidelines. And we're creating a safe and welcoming environment. 
and uh, we will not be taking registration. So that's a question that we've got is, um, do people need to pre-register for services? And the answer is no, because we have quite a large building and um, what we are able to do is that we have created separate rooms. So we have, um, once our sanctuary will fill up with um, you know capacity, considering the uh, social distancing requirements, once our sanctuary fills up, we have uh, a room that's almost as big as our sanctuary, um, which is our youth room, and we're gonna we've we've already set that up with um, a bunch of chairs where people will be able to watch the service on two big screens with full sound. It'll be completely live, and then beyond that, we actually have another overflow area. So our plan is to not require people to pre-register, and uh, these will be family services, by the way. So your kids will be with you. We will have a wiggle room in case you have ninos who need to get out the wiggles they can go into the wiggle room and they can do that and we also have a nursing mother's room and of course the video and everything will be um, on screens in those rooms where you can take care of your kids and uh, we look forward to having you if you guys are looking for a place to worship in person we'd love to have you join us we'd love for you to guys to see our new building we've been working hard to get it set up we're really excited to open the doors on this place and have people in there and um, we're going to be welcoming and careful and loving and cautious we're going to do all those things at the same time and we we want to spread nothing but love and kindness and encouragement and that is our goal we're going to be sanitizing between services we have like a professional company coming in to do a lot of work uh, and getting the place ready so let me give you the address and the dates again okay so first services in our new building we'd love to have you out june 7th that's a Sunday, June 7th, and it's going to be 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And the address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. The zip is 80504, which means it's on the east side of Longmont. And we are just east of County Line Road and Ken Pratt Boulevard, which is Highway 119. So we are just on the north side of 119 directly opposite of Sandstone Ranch Sports Complex. So if you know where Sandstone Ranch Sports Complex is or the Walmart that's on Highway 119, Ken Pratt there in Longmont, we're directly across the street on the north side of 119, 2950 Colorful Avenue. And, you know, we're really conveniently located. So we're, we're located in a place that's really convenient for everybody from Longmont, but also from surrounding communities like Erie, Berthoud, Mead, uh, Firestone, uh, we're, we're literally across the street from Firestone City Limits. So we're in Longmont City Limit and across the street from Firestone. So you guys in Firestone, Frederick, Decono area, we'd love to see you come on out. And again, we're close to all those communities. And um, we also have people from our church who uh, come from Boulder. And now actually, I think the drive from Boulder, even though it's a few miles longer, it's actually a shorter time to get there because you just stay on the diagonal highway, Highway 119 there uh, for a few more miles. So we'd love to have you guys 2950 Colorful Avenue starting services on June 7th in person. We'll also continue to have our services on our website, which is whitefieldschurch.com, as well as on our Facebook and YouTube channels. And we'd love it if you would tune in, maybe even go there and just browse some of our, our services. And this, this Sunday, May 31st, we invite you to join us online again for service, whitefieldschurch.com 
or check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash whitefieldschurch, facebook.com slash whitefieldschurch, and we'll be at 10 a.m. on Sunday for um, Church Online. So that's what's new with us. Um, remember that you can always find out what's new about our church. You can sign up for our mailing list if you'd like to be, um, you know, keep in touch with us, whitefieldschurch.com. And you can always hear me every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on Grace FM. We have a show called Life in the Field, which are our sermons cut for the radio. So 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time every weekday, Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., for Life in the Field, our daily radio program. Let's go to our first caller, Chastity in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Chastity. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Doing great. Hey, I just, um, I have a couple quick questions. My husband has a friend at work that's Muslim, and he's been kind of talking to him about Jesus. Yeah. And the question that came up was, um, how can you trust the gospel uh, since they contradict each other? And what proof besides the Bible is there that the apostles ever existed or that they ever met or walked with Jesus? Oh, man, there is so much out there. These are really good questions because I have to tell you that there are actually answers to these questions. So if your Muslim friend um, really wants answers, they are really, really easy to find. So that's the good news. Okay. Now, okay. let me just start with you on a few of those questions. So you said that the Gospels contradict each other. I, whenever someone tells me the Gospels contradict each other, I ask them, would you please show me where the Gospels contradict each other? And there's a really good book that I'm going to recommend for you and all of our listeners to pick up. You can pick it up really cheap because there's a lot of copies of it that are used. You can also get a new copy. It's called When Critics Ask. When Critics Ask, and it is a handbook for dealing with Bible difficulties. I have it on my shelf, and I'm looking at it, but I'm wired to this headset right now, so I can't go grab it. But it is uh, Norman Geisler, who is the author, and it's called When Critics Ask, a handbook for dealing with Bible difficulties. That is a great book to have, and what you do with that book, like it's a handbook, right? So let's say somebody says, oh, well, this verse you know, contradicts that verse. Well, you open it up and he will have, you know, a short paragraph or maybe a little bit more on each of these apparent contradictions. I call them that on purpose because they are apparent contradictions. And, um, and that will help you. So here are a few things I would tell you. A lot of the supposed contradictions in the New Testament are not contradictions at all. I'll give you an example. There's one place where it says that Jesus um, went up on a mountain and taught a Bible study for some people. Then in, in another gospel, that's in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 says that. Okay, so then you'll go over to, let's say, Luke's gospel, chapter 6, and you find a very similar message taught, but it says that Jesus taught this message on a flat place. You say, oh, there's a contradiction. He taught the message, you know, it's a very similar message, almost, almost identical. And he taught one on a fat, flat place, and he taught the other one on a mountain. Well, there you go. Big contradiction. And the other one is, why are the messages different? Or there's, here's another example. There's a place where Jesus tells a parable in one gospel about talents, which was a, a denomination of money. And the parable of the talents in a different gospel, I think this is, again, Matthew and Luke, the 
version in Luke is different and it actually has a different point, right? So the point or the lesson of the parable is different in both gospels. And you say, okay, well, look, there's a clear contradiction here. Well, let me just tell you this. Those are not contradictions and I'll tell you why. Because, um, listen, when, when I get invited to speak somewhere, I have a handful of messages that I tend to use when I travel. And I'll tell you what, Jesus, of course, being a itinerant preacher, it tells us that he traveled around the region of Galilee, speaking in all the towns and villages. Here's my question. Do you think that Jesus spoke a completely unique, completely different Bible study in each of those towns and villages? Or do you think that he had kind of a core message and he would, you know, because he's preaching without notes, he's going to vary it a little bit in each town and place. Well, of course he's going to do that. Every preacher does that, especially preachers who, um, you know, nowadays you preach, it goes out online and you don't need to preach it again. But if you're preaching, you know, I'm going here, now I'm going to walk a mile, preach it to those people too. I want everybody to hear that same message. Why? Because it's an important message. Now, because I'm not using notes, it's going to vary a little bit every time I tell it. And so did Jesus preach on a mountain? Yeah. And then guess what? A little while later, he preached that same message on a flat place. And so it's not surprising that that message is similar. The other, other um, example there with the talents, did he, you know, he preached, the he used the same parable, but with a different context and to different people, he preached it with a different kind of ending, right? A different uh, didactic reason. So this is, this is really my point is that a lot of these apparent contradictions are very easily resolved. And there's a great um, website I'm going to point you to where you can just get a list of them and you can go through them one by one. And it is alwaysbeready.com. So alwaysbeready.com. This is the website of a friend of mine. His name is Charlie Campbell, and he is an apologist, which means that he um, you know, helps answer difficult questions about Christianity. And so he'll have, uh, here you go, Bible difficulties. So if you go to his website, he has a whole list on the side of things he has articles on. And he has one here called, literally a featured article called, Are There Contradictions in the Bible by Charlie Campbell? And so what he does in this article, he goes through all of these things. And then he has another online form that you can see uh, that says, Solutions to Every Conceivable Bible error, errors in quotation marks, from Genesis to Revelation by Norman Geisler. So that's the good news. There's so many answers out there and they're readily available for anyone who wants to find them. Okay, to your other question, what proof do we have that the apostles actually walked and were discipled by Jesus? Well, the proof that we have is this. Now, now I will tell you two things here uh, that are really important for you to remember. One of them is there are indeed um, other sources which speak about Jesus. The most famous, of course, is Josephus, the early Roman hist or so the early Jewish Roman historian, uh, and he talks about Jesus. He talks about Jesus' disciples, and that is a great source because he's not a Christian. He's a Jew who was hired by the Romans to keep a history of the Jews. That's actually what his book is called, and you can find it. It is public domain, which means you can get it for free online. But it also means that uh, copies of it are very cheap. You can find them everywhere. So 
uh, Josephus, Flavius Josephus is his name, and he wrote a book called The History of the Jews. So you can check that out. And it mentions Jesus, and it mentions the disciples. Um, there are also, um, so, so that's the first thing. The second thing I want you to know is that uh, that presupposes, that question, so to say, presupposes that the Christian documents on their own are not reliable enough. And okay, I get the point, like, right? It helps to have more than one source. There's a few things to keep in mind. Remember that when things happen historically, that a lot of the records and historical records, whenever one kingdom took over another kingdom, which by the way did happen in Rome in the 400 AD, uh, 400s AD, but then when one kingdom took over another kingdom, it was very common for them to burn their libraries. Maybe you remember famously that there was a great library in Alexandria, which is in northern Egypt, and that was burned, which is a tragedy. It's a tragedy that these great stores of records were being constantly burned by conquering you know, tribes, conquering empires, but that is what happened. Now, the one benefit that Christianity had is that with its roots in Judaism, the one thing that the Jews were really big on was um, scribes and copying manuscripts. Manuscript means it's written by hand. And so they would make just basically people, this is their full-time job, their calling in life, and they wouldn't do it on their own, right? It wasn't just like you take this copy, go sit in that room and copy it for the rest of your life. No, it was three people at a time, one person writing two people looking over their shoulder and making sure they didn't make any mistakes. And if they did make a mistake, it had to be crossed out, corrected, and then signed or initialed by both people. I say that to say this. We have tons of Christian records. There's more proof for the Bible, and not just the Bible, but early Christian documents, which come from within a couple decades of the time of the apostles. And they all talk about the apostles. In fact, you have people like Clement of Rome, who is a disciple of Peter, right? And so it's like you have people and they talk about them. So we have their descendants and their disciples who they discipled after, you know, Jesus had ascended into heaven, who talk about them in their writing. Clement of Rome is the first one that comes to mind, but there are others. Irenaeus is another one who is a disciple. Um, and there were, you know, particularly they were discipled by, one was discipled by Peter, the other one was discipled by John. They talk about that in their writings. So all that to say, we have the scriptures, many other documents we have to remember have been, dis have been uh, destroyed, but we also have the writings of the people who were friends of and disciples of those other apostles. And there is just an incredible burden of proof on the side of, of Christianity and on the side of its historical reliability or we call it historicity. And I would say, take that burden of proof and give it to your friend and, um, and let's see what God does, does with it. I'll give you one last resource. And this applies to anybody out there listening. If you would like it, um, you can text me. I'll send you a link. Here's the text line 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. I taught a series of messages called, actually did two series, and they're called, I could never believe in a God who, and then I, I finished that sentence, right? So I could never believe in a God who uh, encouraged genocide in the Old Testament. I could never believe in a God who, one of ours was, gave us a faulty Bible. And so I go through a lot of proofs for the Bible. 
and things like that in that message, but I'd be happy to just send you a link to the whole series, and that way you can pick and choose which messages you listen to. So, chastity, does that help answer your question? Yes, it does very much. Thank you so much. You bet. I'm and if you, yeah, if, <laughs> yeah, and so you can also just go to my website, our church's website, okay? So whitefieldschurch.com and go into our sermons section and it's arranged by series and just look for the series called I Could Never Believe in a God Who and there's an, an earlier series I did which also has a message on the reliability of the Bible. That series is called The Trouble Is, meaning kind of like the trouble with Christianity is. And then we had, you know, nine weeks of messages on, on uh, you know, basically problems that things that people say are hurdles for them in believing in Jesus. Okay. So go there and do that. And then anybody listening, text me and I'll send you links to listen to that series online. The number is 720-336-0897. And okay, let's pray. How about we pray for your husband and this conversation with his Muslim friend? Let's do that. So Heavenly Father, we pray for chastity. We pray for her husband. We pray, Lord, that you would give him the right words uh, to speak to his Muslim friend. Lord, we pray that you give him love and grace for that man. Just fill his heart with so much love so that as he speaks the truth, that it would be done in love just like you did, Jesus. And we pray for this friend that he would become a brother in, in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again so much. Okay, God bless you. Bye-bye. You too. Thank you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Hey, I recently um, have been in some discussions about the situation right now with George Floyd uh, and the killing of him in Minneapolis, and as well as, um, you know, discussions about the riots. And so if there's any of you out there who want to discuss that from a biblical point of view, I would encourage you to call in 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. Let's go to Frank in New Jersey. Hi, Frank. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ had a purpose in mind when he counseled the disciples who didn't have one to sell their garment and get a sword. From your perspective, what was that purpose? Well, let's see. Luke 22, right? Luke 22:36. Remember that we always want to read Scripture in light of Scripture, right? So we want to read it in context rather than just... Uh, pulling things out. Now, remember, we have to take the other words of Jesus in context as well. So there was another time where Jesus told his disciples, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. There's a time when um, Peter cut off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest, and Jesus told him to stand down. And he said, that's not what we're about. That's not the war we're going to fight. And he healed Malchus's ear. And so... There were other times as well. You remember there was a time when the disciples went into a village and the village didn't receive their their message about Jesus. And two of the disciples came back and they said, hey, Jesus, let's send fire from heaven on those guys and kill them. And Jesus said, uh-oh, nope, that's not it. You guys are not understanding what I'm about. And so uh, he said that. Now, let's go back to this discussion 
about um, this is in Luke chapter 22, verse 36. Here's the full section here. He said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said, but now let the one who has a money bag take it and likewise a knapsack and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one for I tell you this scripture must be fulfilled. And he was numbered with the transgressors for what was written about me has fulfillment. And they said, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Well, so that's an interesting passage because basically he's saying, you guys need some swords. And they said, okay, well, here are two swords. And he said, okay, that's enough. So he's basically telling them, okay, now you don't need to sell your, um, your, um, sorry, you don't need to sell your garments to buy swords. Right after this, by the way, is when Jesus uh, gets betrayed and handed into the uh, authorities. And so I think what he's telling them is that there will come a time when they, they will need to have swords and they will need to protect themselves. Um, but apparently having two swords between all of them was seen as enough. So, like you say, they had a warring spirit, which Christ quenched, but he did. Oh, I'm sorry. That means we've come up on our mid-show break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Um, we lost Fred, guys. We were just talking to Fred a second ago, and I'm sorry about that, Fred, or Frank, I'm sorry, Frank. And then I called you by the wrong name. Oh, I'm sorry, Frank. Uh, sorry for calling you by the wrong name. Sorry for dropping you. That was an accident. But we would love to hear from you. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. The text line is 720-336-0897. And here on Calvary Live, this is your opportunity to call in with your questions about the Bible, with your prayer requests. If you want to talk about relevant current events or anything going on in your life from a biblical point of view, that's what we're here to do. So 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Dustin in Decono, Colorado. Hi, Dustin. Welcome to the program. Hi. <clears throat> Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you doing today? Doing great. What's up? Um, awesome. I I had an interesting question. Um, I was just wondering if I can share a verse and ask you my question. Very short. Sounds great. Um, that's uh, Malachi. Malachi 4, uh, 4, and then verses 5 and 6. The verses, Behold, I send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Mm -hmm. I was I was just wondering, I, I really felt like that was like a, a really good word for uh, just like everything going on in our country, like right now. And um, I was just wondering what, um, like, what are your thoughts with, uh, with that verse, do you think that, uh, I mean, just like, is the general view that kind of John, John the Baptist was this, he was kind of like the, what this, 
you know, what that was and that there, there won't be like that, that the actual Elijah won't come back in the, in like the tribulation time or what, like, what Mm -hmm. is your, yeah, there's kind of two views on it and I'll share with you what those are. Um, so the, the view that John the Baptist was Elijah, um, that view comes from the mouth of Jesus actually. So in Matthew chapter 17, here's what Jesus says. He said, Elijah does come. So let me, let me actually read it to you in a little bit more context. Let me pull this up real quick. Matthew 17. And here's what happened because people were asking him, right? Um, so I'll just start in verse nine, of chapter 17. They were coming down from the mountain. That's the Mount of Transfiguration, by the way. Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the son of man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did whatever they had pleased. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking about John the Baptist. Okay, so what Jesus is saying, so I would say based on this section, we could conclude that it is not necessary for Elijah to come back again. Now, some people, there's, there's kind of two ways of looking at this. Some people look at this and say, okay, so there we have it, right? That verse in Malachi was fulfilled. John the Baptist did return in the sense that he didn't, he wasn't reincarnated or something like that. Um, but John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah in order to do the work that Elijah was supposed to do uh, when he returned. So therefore, you know, check the box, tick it, tick the box, we're done. The other view on this would say, okay, John the Baptist did come in the spirit and power of Elijah. However, that doesn't count because it says that Elijah himself will come back. And then they read Revelation, I believe it's chapter 11, where it says that there will be two witnesses and they seem like uh, Moses and Elijah, or at least everybody agrees that one of them is like Elijah. Some people say it's Enoch and Elijah. Some people say it's Moses and Elijah. The reason behind that, those people is very simple, especially for Elijah, because it says that they have the power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain. Yes, it's chapter 11, and I'm just looking at it here uh, where it talks about the two witnesses. And let's see, where is the verse I'm looking for? Where is it? Okay, it says, yes, verse 6. Um, they have the power to shut up the sky so that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying, and they have the power over the waters to turn them into blood and strike the earth with every plague as often as they desire. So that would seem like that clearly are, those are references to Elijah and Moses. And so the reason why many people believe that Elijah and Moses will come back is that verse, Revelation eleven six, but also just the simple fact that Elijah didn't die. He was caught up to God in the chariot of fire, right? The other thing is that Moses, some people say, well, did Moses really die? Because it says in the scriptures that he like, he walked up the hill of Mount Nebo there on the Dead Sea. And then he was gathered to his fathers, which elsewhere that phrase means that you died. And, um, 
that the idea is that how do we know that Moses died? No one saw him die. Maybe he didn't actually die. Maybe he was also taken up by God, just like Enoch and just like Elijah. And so therefore, that is why these two people come back. Now, here's my take on it. I don't think that... Um, I don't think that God can't send Moses and Elijah back. And I think it's probably more likely Moses and Elijah than Moses and Enoch, uh, just as we see on the Mount of Transfiguration. We see Moses, Elijah, and Jesus um, transfigured there. So that's my take on it. I think it can kind of go either way. Either way, I, um, if, I, if you were going to like press me on what my view is, I guess I would say, my view is Moses and Elijah come back, but John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Mm. And, wow. Yeah. It's just, that's been interesting. I've been uh, just doing a lot of, you know, just uh, I kind of, I really like uh, reading Revelation and just kind of, you know, the reality of heaven and how, you know, God's, the kingdom of God is nigh and heaven heaven is coming and you know one day god is going to establish his kingdom you know so there's like you know so we want we want to try to pursue heavenly goals and not not just to accumulate earthly goals you know not not saying that they're not important but you know so. yeah yeah but yeah that's cool well yeah yeah thank that's you great. thanks for sharing yeah you bet god bless you thanks for calling in yeah, yeah. Right. have a Bye-bye. good day too. You too. All right. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, we have a quick text message coming in. Uh, someone asks, how do you feel about the question, what does this verse mean to you as an approach to Bible study, right? So I assume what they're talking about is like when you're in a small group and maybe the study guide says, you know, what does this verse mean to you? Well, I'll tell you what I think about it uh, without sounding ranty. I would just like to say that is one of my pet peeves. I think it leads to the wrong uh, attitude about the word, that the word, uh, it makes it completely subjective. And I would just say this, the question is not, what does this verse mean to you? But what does this verse mean? And then how does it apply to you? So I think we can be subjective in our applications, right? But we have to be objective in our interpretations. Let's, uh, so that, I hope that answers your question. Thanks for that text message. Let's go to our next caller, Anthony in Philadelphia. Hi, Anthony. Welcome to the program. Hey, I actually think the, um, the person I spoke with got my name wrong. It's actually Andre. Oh, Andre. Uh, well, welcome, Andre. Sorry about that. That's all good. Um, I just want to hear your thoughts and opinions on a preacher uh, okay. known as Derek Prince. Okay. And what you thought of his teaching, if you've heard of it. You know, I have heard of it. I know that he was really popular where I used to live in Hungary. And, uh, you know, his books were translated into Hungarian. I have seen him on the um I have seen him on TV at times. Now, Derek Prince of course is not the same. I confused him of course with the guy in Singapore right now. Now you're you're not talking about the guy in Singapore, right? You're talking about the I think <laughs> is the older yep. guy. 
yeah, I think he passed away. I think he preached in like the 70s, 80s, 80s, 90s, and he passed away in early 2000, I think. I see. Okay. Well, here's the truth. I honestly don't know very much about Derek Prince. I don't even know like the kind of people that Derek Prince is associated with. So it's hard for me to have a whole lot to say on him. Um, was there any particular teachings of his that you um, that you had questions about? Um, well, so just for um, clarity, I come from a Baptist denomination, mm-hmm. and for, um, I, I, I tend to listen to a wide range of speakers, mm-hmm. and for the most part, everything that he talks about, I agree with. However, okay. he tends to go more in depth uh, regarding aspects of the occult uh, demons mm-hmm. and, you know, more like uh, uh, spiritual forces and stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. I just... Some of the things okay. he says, uh, I it, is, it's, it was the first time that I heard such teaching, and I just want to know if I should be uh, weary, like uh, weary of it or, you yeah. know, cautious about it yeah so um i'm not sure i'm just looking at a few things about him and seeing this that uh so he was he was a pentecostal and so he believed in the reality of spiritual forces operating in the world of course the power of demons um and he would say the demons cause illnesses and psychological problems um and so you know those are all things that i would agree with as well and so i think that's a really really difficult thing to decide right like how do you make that determination at what point where's the line between um you know physical illness and spiritually influenced things that's a really difficult one that we need a lot of wisdom from god on how to discern um i see that he was a dispensationalist you know so again no red flags for me on any of these things the only red flag i see as far as movements that he was associated with but of course this would not apply to you as somebody listening to his teachings Um, But it's this, that he created what's called the shepherding movement. And the shepherding movement wasn't all bad. This is something that I know about from the 1980s. And um, looks like it was a group of charismatic pastors who were really big into the shepherding movement. And essentially, the shepherding movement was, um, you know, really intense pastoral care and discipleship. And it was a lot about spiritual authority. So it was all about you need to submit to your spiritual authority. And uh, I know that it was definitely abused and and used wrong in practice. Now, that might not be a bad theory. And I actually don't think that is a bad theory. I think that we could probably use more things like that, right? Like so direct discipleship, direct pastoral care, uh, direct, you know, spiritual authority and even like submitting to the spiritual authorities that God puts in our lives. I think that that's something that American culture tends to really no, not be favorable about, but I think they're biblical principles. However, I do know that the shepherding movement did uh, experience some abuses and it came under a lot of criticism for that reason. So if you're just listening to his teachings, that probably wouldn't um, affect you. I guess my only advice to you would be, be a Berean. And you remember the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, that Paul went to Berea and he preached the word to them. And it says the Bereans were of more noble character because they went home and they checked to see if the things that Paul said were true. So I would say, you know, be 
able and capable, and really this is true maturity. This is the definition of maturity, is that you are able to listen to something and you are able to say, okay, this part's true and this part isn't. And, um, and this part I reject, this part I receive. And so I think we should be doing that all the time. I encourage my church that that's how they should listen to me. You know, like uh, you should listen to me with that way. Like be a Berean and, and see, are the things that I'm telling you, are they biblical? Are they true? And if they are, then receive them wholeheartedly. And if they're not, then let's talk about it. Um, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll sharpen each other and we'll come to the truth as the spirit leads us. So that would be my advice to you. Be a Berean, study the word and engage with the word and, and then listen broadly. Awesome. Thank you. Maybe in the future, if I actually have a more specific question about something he taught, I'll give a follow-up call. That'd be great. Love to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. We've got a lot of text messages, so we might go over there, but I want to give you the number to call in because I love taking these calls Oh, okay. I actually missed one there in the queue. So let's go to Al in Gap, Pennsylvania. Hi, Al. Welcome to the program. Yes, sir. How you doing? Thanks for your program. Absolutely. Thanks for holding. I Sorry I missed you in the queue there. No, that's all right. Uh, yeah, just wondering on your uh, take on preterism and uh, mm-hmm. these this belief that uh, prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD, and I, I believe... I believe I'm sure it's false, but I would love to know some ways to refute it and some, you know, solid, solid principles against it. Yeah, that's a good question. So the first thing you need to know about preterism is that there's more than one kind of preterism. And there's, I guess you'd call it a spectrum of preterism. And I think that there, uh, let's put it this way. Every preterist is a partial preterist unless they're a full preterist, in which case they are a heretic. Now, I hope you take that uh, the right way. I don't mean that in a really mean or, you know, shallow way. But let, but here's why I say that. A full preterist is a heretic, and here's why. Because a full preterist, and there are some who say that in 70 AD, not only did all of the things in Revelation, not only were all the things in Revelation fulfilled, but Jesus actually returned. So they would say, everything's been done. That's a full preterist. Now, most preterists um, do not believe that. Okay, so like great majority, probably like 99% or something like that, do, are call themselves partial preterists. And that's why, because the one thing they would say still needs to happen is the return of Jesus. And the reason why I would use a strong word like heretic is because I I think it actually fits the bill. And the reason why is because it is in the Apostles' Creed that says that here are the things we believe in as Christians, right? This is like second century AD. And they're saying, and in the return of Christ. They believed in the visible return of Christ as something in the future. Okay, so now for our listeners who might not know what preterism is, let me just give you a quick briefing on it. Uh, There are two views on the, the prophecies that Jesus gave and the book of Revelation. So this would be, it really falls into, falls into two categories of texts that we're talking about. One of those texts is um, what's called the Olivet Discourse. This is found in Matthew 24 and 25. 
and then you have the book of Revelation. So there's two ways to look at these texts. One way is called the preterist way, and the other way is called the futurist way. Now, I am a futurist, but I think that um, when it regards Matthew 24 and 25, I think that in some of those areas, I would actually say, well, I take a preterist view on a few of these things. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I think that some of the things that Jesus talked about regarding, for example, the destruction of the temple and the um, the the siege of Jerusalem that took place in 70 AD, I think that Jesus was warning his Jewish listeners in Jerusalem about things that were going to happen in Jerusalem in the near future. And I think that some of those things were fulfilled in 70 AD. But I don't think that all of them were fulfilled because I think that, and we had a caller about this uh, not too long ago, and we were discussing this. And basically, here's what it is. There's a lot of things that are, from Jesus' perspective, everything he talks about is going to be in the future. Now, some of those things are in the near future, and some of those things are in the far future. And Jesus kind of goes quickly and without telling them that he's switching now to talking about the far future. So things like uh, the abomination of desolation, the things like the actual return of Jesus and Judgment Day, those are things that are in the future. Now, you, you had asked me, particularly about Revelation. Let me give you a couple of principles on why I'm a futurist uh, for sure when it comes to Revelation. Um, I think Matthew 24 and 25, that's a, that's a bit of a mixed bag um, with, the, with the preterism, futurism. But with Revelation, I think it's not a question. Revelation has to be futurist, and here's why. Um, with Revelation, first reason I'll give you why it has to be futurist, and this is the biggest problem for preterism, and I'd say this is the biggest discussion point, is that most historians and Bible scholars date the book of Revelation at 90 AD. And you can do the math there. 90 AD is 20 years after the destruction of Jerusalem. Therefore, in order for preterists to say that Revelation is um, not, you know, well, okay, let me just dial back this a second. The problem with preterism and Revelation is that Revelation claims to be a prophecy. In chapter 1 of Revelation, Jesus says to him, write down, or he says, blessed are those who read the words of this prophecy. Okay, so is this a prophecy or is he interpreting events that already took place? Well, if he's interpreting events that already took place, it's not a prophecy. So what the, the problem that preterists have is the date of Revelation. And what almost every preterist will tell you is that they will say, well, Revelation was written in 68 AD, two years before that well, there's a lot of reasons why that's not the case. And one of the reasons is because we know that John died around 90 AD. And if John died around 90 AD and he was in Patmos, or sorry, he was on the island of, um, yeah, island of Patmos at the time, then he was in exile. Well, we know roughly when these things took place. It had to have been after 70 AD. So that that's the biggest issue. Uh, for preterism, and that's why they really try to argue this 68 AD number. But, you know, it's it's basically like, the, it's really contrived. And all the, all the, in, all the uh, evidence points to the fact that of a later date for Revelation, I even have the ESV study Bible here, and on the mm -hmm. section on Revelation and dating it, 
they say, well, it's probably written in 90 AD, but a lot of people argue for 68 AD. Why? Because, well, a lot of the editors of the ESV Study Bible are preterists. So, of course, they want to slide that in there. But again, the, the point is that that, I think, is the biggest problem that preterists face when it comes to Revelation. So that, that would be the other one here. I'll give you one more principle when it comes to um, when it comes to re revelation. And that is that revelation, I would say, purports itself or explains itself as a futurist um, as a futurist book. And that is found in Revelation chapter one. There's actually a outline for the rest of the book that is given. And I'm looking for that for you in chapter one basically jesus arrives to john and he says to him write the things that you see the things that are the things that will be yes yeah, verse 19 chapter 1 verse 19 of revelation write therefore the things that you have seen so that's past tense the things that are to take place after this and then are oh, the things that are and the things that are to take place after this so there's three categories uh the things that were the things that are the things that will be now, that word will be, interesting word in Greek, or two words, it, it is metatauta, which means after these things. Okay, why is that interesting? Because it says there, so in other words, write the things that you have seen. Okay, what is, he, what is the past? He has seen the revelation of Jesus, which is described there in chapter 1. The things that are, he describes the, the seven letters to the seven churches. That is the current situation. In other words, that is the you know, relevant now situation, the age of the church. And then the things that are. In chapter 4, verse 1, if you go there, the first verses in Greek are meta-tauta. In other words, after these things. And so what does that tell us? It tells us that chapter 1, verse 19 is giving us basically an outline for the book. The things that were, the things that are, the things that will be. And then chapter 4 begins by saying, now, here begins the section of after these things, meta-tauta. And what does he say there? I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and I heard a voice like a trumpet saying, come up here, I will show you what must take place. What? Meta-tauta, after these things. And so what we are seeing here is um, an outline for the book and what John essentially experienced is what we would call the rapture. He's caught up to heaven and from heaven with the saints there, he watches the events that take place on earth as God pours out his wrath in judgment during the tribulation period. So that is why I take a futurist view, because I believe that that is the nature of Revelation. I believe it's how the book itself presents itself and the, the, the timing or dating of the writing of the book of Revelation is a major issue for, for preterists when it comes to Revelation. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's well, well said. Who, who claims to have Saul these things in AD 70 like who who reliably claims to have saw the Lord come back and all that well here's here's their answer by the way because there is an answer to that so like uh, R.C. Sproul for example a big preterist he would write and you can look this up on his website Ligonier Ministries right he'll say you know was Matthew 25 because he actually takes a full preterist view on Matthew 24 and 25 while he only takes a partial preterist view on Revelation. And so his, his full preterist view on Matthew 24 and 25, the Olivet Discourse, he essentially says, how did Jesus come back? Did Jesus come back? And he says, Jesus came back in the Roman legion that came in AD 70. Now, there's a lot of problems with that. 
there's so many problems with that, right? The problem with that is that Jesus says that every eye will see him, right? Everybody, did everybody see the Roman legion? And again, he kind of skirts the questions as well. You know, everybody, um, you know, everybody saw him who was alive at the time or who was there. Well, of course, that's how everything works, right? Everybody saw me today who saw me, right? But that doesn't mean that everybody, every eye saw me. So, um, he says that, and then he says, he, he actually goes to the Old Testament, the Minor Prophets, where he says that God says that he will come in the day of the Lord. He will come and bring judgment. And actually, the way that he came and brought judgment was through the Babylonians. So it's not a ridiculous argument that he's making, but I don't think it's a correct argument. Yep. All righty. Well, I, I appreciate it. I, I've, uh, that, that backs up a lot of what I've been reading and thinking. And Yep. Okay. Okay. God bless you. Thanks you for calling yep. in. God, God bless Bye-bye. you. Thank you, sir. Hey, we have come up to the end of our show. So, so glad that you joined us today. I would like to say a prayer for the things going on in our country right now with the riots. So let's do that. And then we're going to close the show. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you. Our country right now, the United States, Lord, we see these riots going on, people's property being uh, harmed, and people being put in danger. And Lord, we cry out to you and ask, Lord, have mercy on us as a country. Lord, we pray for justice. We pray for mercy. We pray for your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, uh, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I told you in the front end of the show, let me just tell you now, we are beginning in-person services at our church, Whitefields Church in Longmont, on June 7th. Our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. These will be our first services in our new building. We're so excited. We'd love for you to join us June 7th. 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., 2950 Colorful Avenue. And I will be with you again next Tuesday and then again next Friday here on Calvary Live. God bless you. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.